This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, and by this God showed much love that he has for us. You know, I've, I've always been one to have kind of a high pain tolerance. If I stub my toe, I mean, that hurts, but I can usually handle it from very early on in our relationship. My wife, Sabrina, is here. We kind of have this ongoing battle, her and I, uh, of, of whether or not her pain tolerance is too low and mine is too high. You know, you ever do that little, like, pinch you in the arm just to scare her, and all of a sudden she just acts like I just shot her in the arm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that hurts so bad. She goes into this, like, whimper. And I'm thinking to myself, like, come on. Don't make me feel awful for just giving you a little pinch. It didn't hurt that bad. And for me, I've always kind of had this thing, and maybe it's just a man thing, but I, I think to myself, no, I got a high pain. I could take anything. I could do it. And, and for a while, that's kind of something that, that I've so far been able to be proven true, but a little over a year ago, um, I, I found out that maybe I didn't have as high a pain tolerance as I thought I had. And some of you may know where I'm going, but uh, for some of you that don't, um, hopefully you never have to experience what it's like to have a kidney stone. And a little over a year ago, uh, Sabrina and I were, were uh, engaged, and it was awesome. Um, but I woke up one morning, it was about four o'clock in the morning, and it was just kind of like a little tender sore spot that just kind of woke me up in the middle of the night. With, with, with my back, and I was just like, ooh, that feels funny, and about 10 minutes of rubbing it, and just like, man, I just want to go to sleep, all of a sudden, and for those of you, I'm looking at some faces, you got kind of a cringe, because you know what I'm about to say, it just hits you, like somebody just stabbed me right in the back, this incredible pain, I actually remember, this is a true story, I turned around on my stomach, grabbed the pillow with my mouth, and screamed at the same time, just in pain and I'm grabbing everything I can just jumping around holding my back because this this kidney stone was on the move for lack of a better term and uh, I go to grab my phone at the time I was living alone which made it even scarier and and I grab my phone and I call my fiance and I'm screaming and I hear panic on the other line. I'm like, I, need, I don't need you to panic right now. I need you to get in the car. I need you to come get me and take me to the hospital. I am literally about to die. <laughs> because that's how I felt. I had made it up in my mind that I'm dying today. I didn't even get to marry my wife. I have so many things I haven't accomplished or seen in life. I'm going to die today. It's going to happen. And so she finally picks me up, and, and we go to the hospital. And uh, we get to the hospital, and we walk up. We're in the ER, and we walk up uh, to the lady at the window. And I realized that wasn't, you know, the most helpless. I mean, that was the most helpless time in my life, but it wasn't only that. It was also the time in my life where I got the most angry. And it's because I went up to this lady moaning and groaning in pain. I need help. And she kind of looks at me. And she goes, what's your name? And she begins to ask me all these questions to kind of fill this out. And I'm thinking in my head, I don't think my middle initial is what's important right now. I'm dying, lady. 
And finally, she finishes her line of questioning, and, and then she says, the worst thing I could hear is 4 o'clock in the morning. We've only got a couple doctors on the shift. They're working right now. If you could just take a seat, we'll get you in shortly. And I borderline almost lost my salvation. A lot of words came into my head, but I didn't say them. And really, I just said, okay, and I just sat down. By this point, it's, it's been about 30 minutes that I'm sitting in this hospital room, moaning and groaning in pain. Sabrina's just like, doesn't know what to do, and she feels so bad. And there's, you know, a guy got stabbed in the face. He's like, don't worry about me. Help him first. He's in more, you know, like it was just, it was just a mess. And finally, the doctor calls us in, and I run, sit myself down, and I look at the doctor, and, I, and he asked me what's wrong, and he goes, oh, yeah, it's a kidney stone. Give him the morphine, and I promise you, you can ask Sabrina. I looked over at him. I grabbed him by his arm, and I said, thank you. I love you so much. <laughs> you ever feel that helpless before? <laughs> I was in pain. And it was one of those moments, and, and as I was reading this scripture, I, I kind of thought about that story and how helpless I was. I mean, it, it, was, it was the hardest feeling in the world to know that you have pain, and there was nothing you as an individual could do about it. There was, there was fear in me. There was worry in me. I had to, I had to rely on, on my future wife to take me, who's now my wife, thank God. She didn't leave me after that, but... Uh, it, it, was one of those, it was one of those moments where I realized that not everything I have the power over in my life. And there's going to be moments where I'm going to be in fear. And there's going to be moments where I'm going to be in doubt. And I, I myself cannot have the answer, the solution to fix my problem. You know, 30 minutes doesn't seem like a long time. 30 minutes with your best friend flies like that. A 30-minute lunch break, you're like, oh, i got to go back to work. It just happens real fast. But 30 minutes in a waiting room felt like 30 years. It felt like an eternity. And, and when that, just be honest, when that morphine hit, it just felt like I was in heaven. The pain almost immediately, just warmth and, and happy. The doctor had the solution. And it wasn't until I went to him that I was able to find relief in the thing that I had no power or authority over. That was an experience in my life that I don't ever want to go through again. I've drank less soda now. Gone from three Cokes a day to one, doing a lot better. And for many of us, it's not so much physical like a kidney stone. But I believe all of us have experienced this from time to time. That we feel all these emotions of pain, fear, doubt, maybe even hopelessness. Life experiences we may be going through right now with work or, or a family member. A, a relationship you hold dear. That, that, that's hard to, to mend, like, like it's unfixable, where you feel weak and that nothing you can do can help the situation, and you're sitting waiting for an answer. And that moment in the hospital room was really one of those times in my life where I physically felt 
like I was at my all-time weakest. But the doctor came in and knew exactly what I needed and was willing to do whatever he needed to do to give me the relief and the help that I needed. I was thinking about the scripture in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, and it says, when we're unable to help ourselves, and this is the key word here, at just the right time, Christ came. I love this because what this tells me is that our weakest moment, Christ always finds a way to come in and help. And one of the things that I thought of when I was in the hospital waiting for my turn is often I think we get into our mind that because we feel like we need help right now, now is the time that our help should come. So we have this perception that our time is the same as God's time. But one thing that I did learn from this whole experience is maybe things won't happen the time that you think they should happen. But if you've got a Bible like mine, Scripture tells me that Christ always comes to help me at the right time. Our timing and God's timing aren't the same thing, but when it comes to being helpless and hopeless, Scripture tells us that, that it may not come when you think, but he'll come. This makes me think of the time that guests have stopped by randomly at my, at my apartment. You ever had a guest just stop by randomly? It's the worst when it's in the morning. You've got the bed head and you're not fully clothed. The apartment's a mess, and you're just kind of wondering, like, dishes are piled high, never, haven't vacuumed in a week. You know, like, it's just one of those things. And then you walk in, and, and, you're, and you're, like, coming up with every excuse, like, oh, it was, it was the kids. You don't even have kids. Like, it's just, yeah, you blame the kids that don't exist. You know what I mean? Just, it's one of those things where it's really uncomfortable. If a friend comes over that you've known a long time, and you know they love you regardless, you're like, just, just move the stuff, move the underwear over and sit there. That's fine. You know what I mean? You know they're cool with it. But if it's somebody that's, that's formal, if it's somebody that you're trying to impress, you break out the nice candles, you know, coffee's already ready. You're serving it to them as they knock on the, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those things where, where you put on a little bit more of an appearance. And I think what happens is, is we try to approach our relationship with God the same way. We're really interested in trying to show God that everything needs to be great right now if I'm coming to you with a problem. But we don't want to see the God, we don't want to see, we don't want God to see the true nature and reality of what our home really looks like when nobody's looking. And, and I, I think it's a catch-22 for us because sometimes we want God to help me right now. And sometimes we say, God, hold up. i got to fix some things first. I'll take care of my end and I'll call you when I need you. Instead of having this, this idea that, you know what, I'm going to trust and have faith in the one that has the answer for me. See, I believe that Jesus wants to meet us at our worst and I like the doctor in the hospital room. He, 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 he wants to give us our best. Jesus wants to meet you at your worst, and, and then he gives you his best. God already knows our hangups and our mistakes. Knows that the house is messy and knows that what you look like without any makeup. When We can realize that those are the moments we need God the most when we're helpless, when we're hopeless, when we can't help ourselves 
when we're biting the pillow and screaming into it. Ready or not, God says, I'll come when the timing's right. And I have everything you have or everything you need from me. Even in our worst moments, he, he, he brings us his best. Jesus isn't interested in just visiting the put together you. He wants to visit the anxious you, the frustrated you, the lonely you and the angry you, the bitter you, the insecure you, the you that has made mistakes and is still continuing to make mistakes. He's interested in getting to know the real you because that's what he does. He gets to see your Real hurts and your real pains, your real fears and your real heartache. And he can give you a real solution. Jesus comes when, when you're utterly helpless. The Bible is littered with evidence of humility. And that humility bringing us closer to Jesus. And what I mean by humility is I think we're often too proud to say, I've got a problem. Something's wrong with me. And if you, if you really look at the New Testament and even the Old Testament, it's the people that say, you know what? I don't care what other people are saying. This is my problem, Jesus. I'm owning up to it. I just need you. And that, that moment, that realization in their lives have really unlocked the door to really receiving a kind of grace from God that, that we're not used to receiving. Places of weakness and recognizing them in moments of dire need have been pivotal cornerstones for many people all throughout the Bible. Humbling themselves to understand their circumstance instead of being afraid to be seen in their own mess. Bringing that to God and saying, I can't do this on my own. When you find yourself in a hopeless situation, I want to encourage you to remember that this is the point in your life to make a decision today to ask for the Father's help. There's a very famous passage in the Bible concerning somebody that's like the perfect candidate for what we're talking about, and that's Peter. Peter is littered with, with shame when he's following Jesus as a disciple, where he's, he's frustrated that he keeps coming to Jesus with his messed up self to the point where he even tells, him, tells himself, God doesn't want me anymore. He doesn't need me anymore. He's, he's, he's dead and gone and everything's different. And I think a lot of people know this story. Even if you're not a Christian, you've heard this story. It's, it's one of the most famous Christian stories in the Bible. It's, it's Jesus walking on water. And what happens is, 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 is Jesus is out on the water. And, and in the book of Matthew, we see Jesus doing this. And, and Peter looks out at Jesus, and, and he could not believe what he's seeing. And he calls out to Jesus and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to the water. And Jesus replies, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked out on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And as he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And if you know the story, you know that Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they get in the boat, the wind ceased, and in the boat they worshipped him, saying, Truly, you must be the Son of God. Now, often I think we like to look at this story, and we focus 
I mean, it's something we've heard since Sunday school. We focus on the fact that, that we took our eyes off of Jesus. He's, he's the person that perfects our faith. And if we just watch him, we can walk on water all day. G, uh, Peter should have focused on really, really keeping his eyes on Jesus. And I, I believe all that to be true. But I think there's so much more in this story that we can often overlook and I really feel like in this story, God personally revealed something to me that I think is just as powerful. Often we describe the wind, the water and the waves as the circumstance in our life. We're, we're trying to follow God and he's leading us. And if we keep our eyes on him, we won't be drowned by the circumstance that we're, that we're, we're standing on. And in the moment where Jesus, or where Peter, I'm sorry, had doubt, where he heard the wind or felt the wind and looked away, that's when he began to sink. That's when his circumstances, that's when hopelessness and doubt and anxiety and frustration and pain began to soak him, cover him. But that's not the part of the story that I want to focus on. I love Peter's response, even though the circumstances took him. See, what happens is Jesus saves them, and that's great, but they go back on the boat. And when they go back on the boat, I, th I think God really wanted to make sure this last verse was in this passage because it's really important for us to focus on it. At the very end, my favorite part of the whole story is this. Often when our circumstances seem to injure or hurt us, we take for a moment. It's, it's really easy for us to close ourselves off. We, we, we want to... Get away and get dry, right? Close ourselves off from the world and even close ourselves off from, from Jesus. And even right after he saves us. See, Peter's problem all throughout his walk with Jesus was feeling shame for his mistake time and time again. Even to the point where he doesn't see himself worthy to be with him. See, Peter was wet. He was soaked. And really what the water represents, the ocean began to drown him and, and his circumstances began to take him. Even to the point where he doesn't see himself to be worthy to be in Jesus' presence and he was wet. And he thought that in order to come and to worship Jesus, he needed to be dry first. But in this story, the very last verse, it says this, And those in the boat worship him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Even Peter, wet, soaked in his circumstance and mistakes, soaked in his shame for taking his eyes off of God. Because he began to sink. He got in the boat and worshipped God anyway. This is the plea that I'm, I'm really trying to make to you today. Everybody in this room has come some form of facet from a life that's difficult. Where there is trial, where there is circumstance, where you feel like you're walking on your own ocean. And as we prepare for this next song, I really want you to understand something here. There's power in worshiping wet. When you realize that if I'm going to humble myself, and even though I'm soaked in my circumstance... Soaked in my pain, soaked in my anxiety and my fear. I'm not going to take myself away and try to dry myself off before I go to Jesus. See, what Peter realized is he looked and saw that Jesus saved me from what I'm wet with. If there's any point where I need to worship him more is now.
not when I dry myself off later. Jesus saved me from my circumstance. This is evidence of it. And I think often we, we find ourselves in a, in, a, in, a, in a dry and empty place with our relationship with God because we focus too much on trying to worship dry. But where that real authentic love, real appreciation for grace, real appreciation for, for what God, who God really is to me, and how much he loved me at just the right time God saved me. Is when we can recognize, even in my circumstance, even though the ocean took me, even though I'm wet, I'm going to worship you. So at this moment, I want to challenge you. Will everybody, everybody across this room stand? And, and I want you to come to the front. Like I said, the, the ocean in this story represents the landscape of my life, the, the part of, the, of my life that I'm walking on. Everybody in this room, the people standing next to you, and I love it, even whole families are here. Your family could be going through a storm where the winds are blowing and, and the water's raging and you feel like you're sinking. But I want to encourage you right now, while you're soaked is the time to worship. Right now, while you're in the midst of your turmoil, while you're grabbing your back, begging the doctor to save you, now's the time to worship. So I'm going to lead us in in one last prayer and then the band is going to lead us in this one song and I want to encourage you to not let this moment of worshiping wet pass you by, okay? Father, thank you so much for all the families represented here. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that as we walk, as we walk through our circumstances, we walk the waters, Father, that we keep our eyes on you. But Father, if for some reason life catches up with us, and we begin to sink, God. And if for some reason, anxiety takes over my body. If for some reason, I feel hopeless and helpless. If pain takes me, if sickness takes me. Father, if, if, if relationships and the struggle with them take me. Father, whatever it may be, I pray right now, Jesus, that I could focus on you even though I'm wet. I could focus on you even though I'm, I'm soaked and littered with this, this circumstance now, Father. That I can worship you. And have faith, God, that in my worship at just the right time, you'll give me the answer. Father, this is my belief. Worshiping wet is my medicine. It is my healing. It is my peace. It is my freedom. It is my hope. Because my attention is now on you. And the water can't overtake me anymore. Father, I thank you so much for your love and for your grace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.